0: Or Travis Whitmore in North Liberty. Edward Jones, making sense of investing. Member SIPC.
1: Hello there, Hawkeye fans, and welcome to the Hawk Fanatic Rapid Reaction Podcast. Again, it is not rapid but it is a reaction. <laughs> and uh maybe I'll use the bye week Jovan to come up with a new name for this podcast. I like the morning after, the day after, but we'll have to maybe we'll throw it out there for the fans. If you want to come up with a new name for our podcast, uh go ahead and do that. I am Rob Howe. That is Jovan Johnson. We are down a man. Jordan Kanzeri cannot be with uh, with us today had a uh, personal matter. Uh some condolences out to uh to JC and his family. Um, hopefully we'll have him back after the Northwestern game in a couple weeks. Um, uh, so it's me, Rob Howe, and Jovan Johnson, former Iowa defensive back, longtime professional. Uh Jovan, I I I mean, there's no other place to start than the call. And uh just for people that are listening that may we've kind of gotten some information. It was ruled an invalid fair catch by Cooper DeGene, meaning that what his motions were with his arms, I guess the referees deemed uh, to be deceptive because it wasn't a, you know, a fair catch call is over your head. If you're kind of in the middle, that can be called invalid, and that's what it was called. Joe Vaughn, run with it, man. Your thoughts, unload, let's go. I mean,
2: I've I've always been a returner for the entire time of my football career. I have always been a kickoff and punt returner. And for the life of, of a returner, every time you're back to return a punt, the referee is talking to you and telling you, if you're going to fair catch, make sure your hand is above the head and clear and obvious so that we can protect you, basically. Um But anytime the ball is punted on the ground, so anytime there's a ball where they're trying to keep the ball away from the returner and they're putting the ball on the ground, when a returner is running, his hands are everywhere. I mean, you're not, when you run to a football, you don't just run like you do traditionally when you're trying to like stay under control, get guys out of the way, you know, there's a lot of things going on when the ball's on the ground. And one thing I've never seen is a returner fair catch a ball that was punted away from him and on the ground. Like,
1: mm-hmm.
2: even the, the the punt team, when he got the ball, they still tried to tackle him. So, therefore, they didn't think or see any emotion of fair catch being called by Cooper DeJean on that play. So that was, to me, one of the biggest calls in the history of a football robbery that ultimately changed the game and the outcome. So I think they need to go back to the drawing board and talk about, you know, what is the definition of the penalty or the dead ball call for a guy when there is some sort of incidental. Fair catch being ruled because I didn't see an incidental fair catch, and you know he was pointing and he was running at the same time, so it was it was clear to me that he wasn't trying to fair catch the ball. He was trying to get his guys out of the way.
1: Yeah, and he still has scar tissue from the Penn State game when Brandon Dees Fernandez had the ball hit him in the back, and Penn State ends up recovering that. That's in his mind, and he's trying to. He's trying to organize everything in a chaotic situation. And like Jovan said, he's running towards a ball that's hitting the ground. Why in the hell would he fair ca- signal a fair catch? It just doesn't make sense. And then the one thing that, that most bothered me, Jovan, was Cooper said he did not hear a whistle, and that's why he kept going. If it's a legal fair catch or if that's your call, blow the whistle. Blow it dead. Don't do it after the fact. Yeah,
2: you can't you can't go back to replay to see you know whether the play should have been stopped or should have been like nullified. At the end of the day, when you go to replay on a play like that, you're replaying to see if there was like a guy being if he was stepped out of bounds right. or anything of that. When I saw the replay, I thought they were checking to see if he actually stepped out of bounds on the side. I think that's
1: what they told Coach Ferris that the review, While well, before the review, like when they were going to the review, from what Coach Ferris said in the postgame, they told him they were reviewing that play to see if he stepped out of bounds.
2: Yeah, that's exactly what I thought the review was, because you can't overturn a call once you let it play out. You can't overturn a call and say that there was an incidental fair catch signal. Like that's not even in the rule book. To be able to overturn the call, like if that's the case, you should be able to go back and and take a look at all the penalties called. You should be able to go look at pass interferences. You should be able to go look at holdings. You should go. You should be able to, uh, to overturn every penalty on the field. If you can go back and look for an incidental fair catch call in, in a football game, you should be able to review every penalty.
1: Yeah, I mean review holding. Let let's review holding on every play and, and see. How long the game takes to play, like eight hours, something like that, if you're gonna call Litton, it every Litton, Litton. Pass, <laughs> call it every hold or pass interference or anything like that. It just, I think the thing that is hardest for everybody, Jovan, is that what Cooper did, we see on the regular. It, it, we see yes. it, kids, we see guys in college, NFL, high school. He did what he was supposed to do, and he got penalized for it. And as we move on in this season and watch football in the future, we're going to see what he did a lot of times and it not be called. And and that's what hurts the most. It seems like this was a situation where the referees overstepped what they needed to do here. They didn't need to do that.
2: No, they didn't. They should have let that be a play on. And the play stand as called, you shouldn't be able to overturn that you you like you said you you're gonna see that play a, a thousand times throughout the season where teams are putting the ball on the ground, a returner's running to it, they're flaring their arms, like telling their guys to get away. Like you don't know whether or not this or this, that's that's the difference difference between a fair catch and a and a telling the guys to get away. One's below the shoulders, one's above. So that that's not a clear and obvious thing that you should be able to overturn. That that was the biggest takeaway from that game for me was how they just – that was highway robbery, if you ask me.
1: Yeah, I agree, and it's going to be a tough one to get over, but Iowa is going to need to get over it. Um, has a bye week to kind of stew on this, uh, to get the video ready to send to the Big Ten office for the officials. Uh, I'm sure that's already in the works. The university is going to the athletic department, the football staff. They'll send video – um it, although the office is early, uh, they're very aware of what happened yesterday. And we'll see uh if they have any response to uh what happens in the aftermath. The uh the referee, Tim O'Day, uh did talk to the poll reporter Scott Docterman, who does a podcast with me on this feed on Thursday, uh and explained what Jovon and I just talked about as the reasoning. Uh and in talking, you know, and listening to, to Cooper DeGene and, and Coach Ference after the game, uh they both Uh, We're miffed at the explanation, at the call, everything. So um, we're all going to have to get over that one. um, But we also need to acknowledge uh, the growing elephant in the room, Jovan, which is this Iowa offense. Um, Even after that play, Iowa got the ball in good position to set up a really good field goal kicker um, for a field goal, try to win that game. Um and just nothing there. Ends ends in an interception. Uh really um eighteen yards, I think, in the second half, Jovan for Iowa. Uh ran eight plays for three yards in the third quarter, two first downs in the second half. Um it's getting worse, man. and, and that's the 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 most disheartening thing. You 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 face adversity. You've got injuries to your top two tight ends and your starting quarterback, but we were hoping to see some progress offensively, and it seems like it's regressing.
2: Yeah, right now I'm I'm starting to to think in regards to offensive football. You know what is what is the the bigger picture. Of what you're trying to do, like what do you want to get accomplished? what What is the grand scheme of things? Because you know, 127 total yards of offense is, I mean, <laughs> you just had running backs with more yards than that in the last game. So, um, you know, I, I don't understand, you know, what the what the grand scheme of of what they want to do offensively. Um, defense is still holding their own, you know didn't give up. I don't think a touchdown at all, you know, four field goals, but you know, you can't have 11 yards rushing in the football game and expect to win. And when it's crunch time and you have the chance to win with the ball at the 40 yard line, and you only need to get probably 20 yards to give yourself a chance, you got to be able to capitalize. You should have situational plays that are catered to those situations. Like, down by two a minute and whatever left in the game got to get 20 yards like you have to be able to get 20 yards and I I mean you could put the blame on the quarterback you could put the blame on the offensive coordinator you could place the blame wherever you may but you got to have situational awareness to understand the situation and be able to make something happen to give yourself a chance to win.
1: Yeah, when it's going this bad, Joe Vaughn, there's a lot of ownership here. Um, you know, whether it's the offensive line being inconsistent, the quarterback being inaccurate, um, you know, just being outnumbered in the box. I mean, Minnesota, Wisconsin showed that it wasn't going to let Iowa or it wasn't it was going to try to prevent Iowa from running the ball. Iowa did it anyway. Minnesota sold out even more this week to the run and slowed Iowa down. Um. So now you got to counter, man. You've got to find a way to get people out of the box. You've got two weeks now before Northwestern to figure this out. And there's no pixie dust. There's no magic here. You just got to come up with ways to be able to move the football. And we've talked about it before, Jovan, with the complementary football, offense, defense, special teams. The very least, your offense can't hurt you. And it did yesterday. It turned the ball over three times. You had the two fumbles and the interception. 3-0 was the turnover difference. Your offense cost you the game.
2: Yeah. There's I mean, really you, no
1: there's, other way to frame it.
2: Any any time in a in a game where it's a tight one, turnovers are very important. I mean, you flip the field consistently you know, on special teams. Defense held up there and did the a bargain. The three turnovers – loom large to become the outcome of the football game i mean you still regardless of how good bad or, or ugly the, the offense was they still had a chance to win the game with a minute and, and a half to go in the game even after an overturn call of a touchdown that got brought the ball back to the 40 or whatnot. not they still had a minute and 33 seconds or whatever it was on the clock to, to get the ball in field goal range and give your field goal kicker. Who's, who's pretty darn good, a chance to win the game. So, I mean, yeah, three turnovers became the, became the the reason, but it could have easily been avoided.
1: Defense played super again, as Jovan said, um, Gave up 113 yards on the ground, but it took 45 Minnesota carries to get there. That's two and a half yards per carry. Nothing wrong there. Uh, Minnesota 10 for 25, throwing the football for 126 yards, five yards. An attempt, 12.6 a completion. Uh, Put pressure on the quarterback. I thought Joe Evans played really well, not only in getting at the quarterback, but setting the edge. He had a couple nice tackles when they tried to run his way. Uh, thoughts on the defense, Jovan?
2: Yeah, they're they're
1: continuing to
2: evolve. You know, you get some guys stepping into the fold, making some plays, had a few big sacks there in the game. You know, Jay Higgins is, is continuing to be everywhere. I think he had a total of 14 uh, tackles, a lot of assists, but that just means he's always around the ball. Um, you know, Cooper didn't really get to make an impact as much uh, as he has in the past, they didn't really attack him much, and then also Sebastian Castro, who who made some plays, but he didn't really get as nowhere near as many opportunities. So they they kind of neutralized a lot of the guys that make plays on defense, but the defense held up their their end of the bargain, and they they're continuing to to get better as a young group. Um, a lot of young guys up front that that are being. Thrust into the fold and making plays, and that's all you can ask for. They they've continued to improve every week, and and as a defensive coach, you know that's what you want to see in your guys
1: when you have a bunch of new
2: guys out there on the field in the new year.
1: And our guy Tori Taylor, nine punts, forty nine point three average, fifty seven for his long four inside the opponent twenty yard line, and he had only his second touchback of the season came yesterday as well. So um, that late punt too, man. I mean, he put, that was the complimentary football, right? You get the stop. He gets it down there inside the five, way down there. You get the ball back. I mean, it it looked like it was playing out like it was supposed to play out. And Tory Taylor, again, held up his end of the bargain throughout the game.
2: Yeah, he, he's probably right now, him and Cooper DeJean. Probably the two most valuable players for the Iowa football team. Um, you know, those guys are, are playing amazing, but Tory Taylor just continues to, to impress, you know, the, 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 the way he's able to pin you inside the 20 yard line or get you out of backed up situations and give you, always gives you a chance to flip the field and win the hidden yardage battle. You know, I mean, that kid is, is. Amazing, I wouldn't be surprised if he was a top three round draft pick in the NFL.
1: Yeah, he is a weapon, no doubt. And, um, uh, they're going to need him to continue to play like this because, um, obviously, as we've talked about, the offense is not in a good place right now. Uh, you look at the rushing numbers, uh, Caleb Johnson, six carries, 18 yards. Uh, Leeshawn Williams, 11 carries, um, for 13 yards. Uh, and Jazion Patterson, three carries for two yards. Deacon Hill finishes 10 of 28. Jovan with an interception, no touchdowns, 116 yards passing. He was sacked four times. Um, I'll give you guys the ugly numbers here. I'm certainly not trying to drag, uh, the kid. But Deacon Hill just is not playing well right now. Um, He was, like I said, he was 10 of 28 yesterday. Since taking over for Cade McNamara when Cade suffered the ACL injury uh, in the Michigan State game, Deacon Hill is 33 of 90. That's 36.6% for 378 yards, 2D TDs, three picks. What are we doing here, Jovan? Mm -hmm.
2: I mean, if I'm the coach, I'm I'm looking at what the next guy has to offer. Because you, what more, what what more could you lose by going with, you know, the the next quarterback on the roster? Because right now, I mean, thirty six percent completion percentage is not very good. Um, you know, it doesn't matter who you are, you got to be able to to make throws, even if it's just quick dink and dunks. You could you could complete more than three out of ten. Like you that's not acceptable. Um, especially not at that level. So you, you have to think about, you know, making a move at quarterback, at least making it an open competition, um, to put the pressure on the guy that you're going with, um, to make him understand that, you know, nothing in life is given. You gotta earn it. And uh if the if the other quarterback gets in there and, and he's able to make the plays and make the throws and do what you need them to do to be a game manager. I mean, what more can you lose?
1: It's kind of one of these interesting dynamics, right? Jovan, you've got Kirk coming out yesterday when asked about the question. It's a fair question. It's certainly the quarterback position is is a fair question because it's just not performing right now. And context, again, are the tight ends getting it done Are the receivers getting it done, the running backs, offensive line, but the quarterback is the position, right? That's the one that we all see and we all evaluate. And it's just not producing right now. And you've got a guy behind him who missed training, who missed some of training camp, but he won a bowl game. He he beat Kentucky in a bowl game in the music city bowl game and Joe Labus. Um, So it just, to me, Kirk is saying we're going to play the guy that gives us the best chance to win. What we evaluate practice, we see the games. It, there's gray area, right? You may not, you Labus in practice may not look as good as Deacon Hill, but we see Deacon Hill in the games not getting it done. I, I'm just wondering, I sometimes you got to take a chance, right? Even if your mind in practice is telling you it's not an upgrade, maybe you try just to see, because the guy that's in there is not getting it done.
2: Yeah. I mean, with, with how well the defense and special teams are playing, I mean, you take a chance and just say, let's, let's see what the kid does. He might, maybe in practice, he's not performing to the best of his ability, but maybe he's just a gamer. Maybe he's the guy that gets in the game and then lights it up. Like I've, I've seen guys be able to do that, guys that weren't as good in practice. And then they get out there in the game and it's like, you know, who is this guy? Like, you know, I've seen it happen. So, you know, at the end of the day, you're not losing anything by giving the kid a chance is what is my point you're not you're not getting worse the offense isn't going to change maybe he has more of a of a presence in the pocket that you know can extend plays with his legs or feel like he can run a little bit better you know and and when it all breaks down maybe he can elude pressure and get away you know but i mean giving him a chance isn't going to hurt anything with the offensive production right now
1: no, I would agree, and we'll see what happens here. The, at least from public comments from Coach Ferentz, he makes it seem like Deacon is far and away their best option. Um, I guess if we didn't have any evidence of Joey Labus winning a football game, a bowl game against Kentucky, we would say, "Yeah, okay." But we have evidence that the kid could actually win a ball game, and I, I it just to me. You don't make change for change's sake, but in this case, it seems like a change or, you know, giving them both a chance to compete for this thing during the bye week um, is the right way to go. But uh, Coach Ferris has won a lot of football games. I've won none. Uh, so <laughs> we'll let him make the decision here in the bye week. I will say, Jovan, that as, as tough as yesterday was, Iowa still is in the driver's seat for the West. And I'll explain here. If you look at the standings today, um, it may not seem that way. Wisconsin is a game ahead of Iowa at three and one in the league. Iowa and Minnesota. Well, Iowa's three and two, Minnesota two and two, Nebraska two and two. Wisconsin and Minnesota still have games left with Ohio State. They're not beating Ohio State. Neither one of those teams has beaten Ohio State. I don't care if they play that on the moon. So that's two more losses for those teams. So that would put Minnesota with three losses, Wisconsin with two, which would tie with Iowa. So Iowa would have the tiebreaker there. Iowa just can't lose again, and particularly cannot lose to North Nebraska because Nebraska has you say, an easy schedule. But Nebraska's 2-2, and a, a half game behind Iowa, and I'll give you Nebraska's remaining games. Purdue, Michigan State, Maryland at home. They do play at Wisconsin, and then they get Iowa at home. So we could be going to the Black Friday game in Lincoln, Nebraska, with the division on the line, but Iowa needs to flush this. If Iowa wins out, Provided there's just not some craziness and Wisconsin or Minnesota beats Ohio State, Iowa will still be in control of its own destiny. Um, you've been probably on both sides of this, Jovan, going into bye weeks with wins, going into bye weeks off of losses. What is the mode of operation for Iowa this week with, you know, two weeks now? How much self evaluation do you do? Uh what's kind of the what's kind of the plan here it, it, they're for I think, this bye week?
2: It it's all about you. Like it's all about evaluating yourself. Where can you get better? How can you improve? Who do you need to see more of? Um who can help you win. Um you know, just going into the bye week, you're gonna go back to the drawing board and see, you know, where does the team need the, the most improvement? I'm sure they're gonna address the concerns on the offense. Um, you know, see, maybe they come up with a package for Cooper DeJean on offense. You know, they're gonna they're gonna do something over the bye week to address the offensive concerns because they're not gonna just sit back and watch the the offense lackluster performances continue. They're gonna they're gonna come out, and I would assume, and against Northwestern, with a game plan that is gonna be like, okay, we're gonna take the shots. We're gonna run the ball. We're gonna. They're gonna do a lot of different things uh, in the in the uh, the next game that they have after Bali. But they're gonna address the concerns that that they see and feel needs to be addressed to make them a better football team.
1: So that's this whole next week, right, Jovan? And then you wait till Northwestern until the following week, or maybe start to pick it up next weekend as you maybe get an extra day or something for Northwest Prep. Yeah, for sure. So they're gonna, gonna. They're gonna
2: um use this this next week um the bye week they're gonna they're gonna go get after it for the next few days they're gonna watch the film evaluate that make the corrections and then they're gonna lift they're gonna um, hit the practice field they're gonna get after it during practice for uh, three days at least um and then they'll probably take the weekend come back Sunday watch some more film and prepare for for the next game against Northwestern but they're they're gonna use this these, these next four opportunities that they get for this week because they're not letting guys go home No, not not right now and this, and this during during where they are right now they're not they're not about to say oh we're just going to give everybody a week off I don't think the team's in a position for that
1: let's have some fun here I'm going to let you get creative you you brought up Cooper DeJean playing offense let's hear your package what's your plan how would you use him if you were putting him on this offense i i i do some things with him um
2: to use him as a decoy um i would put him in a slot i'd motion him i'd orbit motion him and like run option with him um just explain some, some that.
1: explain thing. what orbit motion is for people that don't know so
2: so basically um you're taking the the slot receiver or whichever receivers off the ball it could be the z could be whoever but a slot receiver a guy that can move and motioning him behind the quarterback so he's going to motion towards the line of scrimmage and then he's going to bubble and go around the quarterback and then the quarterback is just going to turn the game into triple option where the running back is now the dive guy and a guy like cooper dejean who play quarterback that you know has played with the ball in his hands often is the pitch guy so he can you can do some things with him uh to get him the football or even use him as a decoy cuz just because he's orbit motion doesn't mean he's getting the football you know you can still run your run game off of that um, you could run him on jet motions and give him the ball on jet sweeps you could even Implement him in the screen game, but he's a guy, and he's proven over and over and over again, especially over the last two weeks, that when he has the football in his hands, he makes things happen. So, using him on offense for maybe a couple plays here and there, you know, whatever the the, the package consists of, is not going to hurt anything. He's actually going to give you a better output than what you've gotten from everybody else. But Jovan, what if he gets hurt? I mean, he plays a, a thousand snaps on defense, returns punts. He can get hurt any time. He can get hurt at practice. I mean, if you're going into it with a mindset of you're going to limit him from a ten play package because that might get him hurt, then you're must you're sadly mistaken because he can get hurt at any given moment, whether it's lifting weights, walking to class. I mean, he's playing football. Football game, So he has the, the potential to get hurt regardless. It doesn't matter if he plays 10 extra plays. Travis Hunter from Colorado is playing 150 plays a game. So, I mean, if you're worrying about a guy getting hurt, then you're worried about the wrong
1: thing. I know who's not worried about getting hurt, and that's Cooper DeGene. He would take this assignment on uh, with a big smile on his face, and he would uh, embrace it. And I-, I think he'd be pretty good at it.
2: Yeah. He's going to give you the best. He's going to give you his best and his best is better than most of the players on the team's best. So uh, I wouldn't, I wouldn't hold him back from it. I definitely look into it. And, and if I could, or thought that it made sense, I would definitely give it a shot.
1: For the first time this season, folks, Iowa is averaging less than 20 points per game. Uh, that sunk below yesterday. I was now at 19 and a half points per game. Um, and defensive scores count in that as well. So um, not good. And I think at this point, um, you got to check, you got to try all evidence. You, you have to, whoever is in your locker room and is healthy can help you on offense. It's time to make the move. You've got a two weeks now to kind of implement it and maybe try some things in practice. Um, As Jovan said, um, I just, I'm not sure Iowa can win enough here, even though these four games, they're going to be favored with this offense. We saw yesterday the offense hurt this team and then not be able to come through in a clutch spot in the last few minutes. I just think you have to try anything you can try. Any other, I know you've talked about playing Lee Sean and and Caleb at the same time, um, any other any other thoughts in your mind, Jovan, uh, offensively that you'd like to see?
2: Yeah, I mean that that's one of the big things that I think um, you can do. I mean, if you're not going to use Cooper DeJean, then I would use both of those running backs, Caleb and Lashawn, together in a package where you're in split back formations. You could use one as a dive guy, one as an option guy. You could you could still do some of the same things. Where you could run outside zone and use one of them as a lead blocker, um, and help them get on the edge faster. But you could do a lot of different things when you have those type of players with that caliber of skill set. I mean, I would run with those two guys, I would tear motion one of them out the backfield to get the eyes of the defense, and then I'll run the ball with the other one. But like, you know, just doing things to implement. Those two guys and their skill sets to give you the best chance of winning I mean you could do so many different things with with guys like those those two running backs and
1: it just it seems like the twelve and thirteen is just not working teams are not they're not able to to um convert to to succeed enough in twelve and thirteen right now, and it makes sense without. Lachey and all, right? You know, you lose your two top tight ends. Why are you still doing Why are you still so committed to 12 and 13? Why not run more 11? We saw the receivers yesterday, Jovan. Deontay Vines, fabulous catch early in that game. Nico made some plays. You got to get the receivers more involved. They made nine catches yesterday. It was progress. But I think that's something they've got to build on.
2: Yeah, I mean, again mixing up the packages you force teams to have to defend you instead of sticking to what they're traditionally in scheme wise so like motioning if you go into a, a 10 personnel set when you bring in four receivers one running back in the backfield and you motion that running back out the backfield and going to empty guess what everybody has to adjust right you could run quarterback draw game. You could run screen game. You could run quick game. You could run a million different things out of empty, with with just moving your running back to the slot. You or you could line up it, line up in empty and out of eleven personnel if that's what you want to live in. Go in eleven personnel, line up in empty, move and shift the running back back in the backfield and put your tight end wherever you're going to put them at. But those type of just those little subtle things forces the defenses to think and they also forces the defense to have to communicate but because they don't see it then Iowa is just like lining up running the plays they've seen it on film a thousand times the same plays over and over and over again so you're giving them the advantage and not making them have to work for it if you line up and empty shift back to the same set motion the guy now they have to think and then you run the same plays. You don't need to – I'm not saying go reinvent the wheel offensively, but put in some nuances, some new wrinkles that makes the defense have to adjust, and that will help.
1: No question. And we've talked about this before. It's the predictability of what Iowa does. Try to be less predictable, and maybe that gives you – that opens some things up for you on the offense. And that's it's kind of what I think – is I think if you go into this bye week with trying to figure out how to be less predictable,
2: yeah, for sure you you have to. Now I mean, and that's just I mean you put in two, three wrinkles and motions and things like that, and I mean that that kind of creates adjustments for defenses and and it makes you a little bit less predictable. Um, because they haven't seen it. You run, you run the same offense, just put in a couple wrinkles off of it so that when they watch film, they're not saying, okay, when they get in this formation, here's the play they're gonna run. Or when they line up like this, here's what they're gonna do. Line up differently, motion to it, give them something to think about, and then maybe they wouldn't be able to just breathe down your neck every play you run.
1: Yep. And teams going forward are gonna force Iowa to do some things differently. Um, we saw. Yesterday with Minnesota, they're just not gonna. I mean, you can be as committed to the running game as you want if you're if you're outnumbered, which Iowa was yesterday in the running game. It, it's just you can speak to this, Joe. It's it, when you're outnumbered like that, it's almost impossible to run the football.
2: Yeah, they they always call it having a free hitter in a box. So basically, they're putting more defenders in the box than you can block. So one of those guys will be unblocked, and he's the free hitter. All he has to do is make the tackle. But at that level, the guys are so good, Um, defensive linemen, linebackers, safeties, they're so good at defeating blocks that even though you have that one extra in the box, it looks like you have four or five extra in the box because they're defeating blocks. They're not staying blocked. Um, So just having some things to combat that. If teams are going to stack the box, maybe you utilizing some RPOs. Um, you know whether it's quick slants, quick hitches, noun screens, and things like that, depending on how the corners playing. But just give yourself a chance to be successful. You know, a simple RPO: run the ball to the right. Left receiver runs a slant. If the backer comes, you pull. You throw the slant. I mean, simple mathematics, but it's a run play with a pass option off of it, that is still a run play. That'll give you the same output. Whether you get three, four, five yards on the slant route with the DB making a tackle, at the end of the day, that's a five-yard run game instead of getting stuffed in the backfield for a one-yard or two-yard loss because they have numbers in the box.
1: That's the task of uh Iowa's coaching staff and the players during this bye week is to figure out ways to move the football and uh see if they can um maybe find some find an avenue to get Cooper DeGene on offense and get one of your best playmakers, the ball in his hands. Uh expert analysis, awesome by Joe Von Johnson as always. Uh sorry we did not have Jordan today. Again, condolences to Jordan and his family. Uh, we hope to talk to him after the Northwestern game. Still got to get a read in here before we get out of town. Uh, let's pull it up here. Want to let folks know that support for the podcast comes from Systems Unlimited, celebrating 50 years of providing services to people living with disabilities and mental health needs throughout East Central Iowa. A list of their services and upcoming events can be found at sui.org. That is sui.org. You got big plans today, Jovan? Are you just going to sit around and watch the NFL?
2: Yeah, I'm going to go take the kids to to brunch and then come back and watch some NFL games. And uh, that's pretty much it for me.
1: Well, you have a great day uh with the family and, and watching football everybody out there uh thank you for listening thank you to our sponsors and Joe Vaughn and I will be back in a couple weeks after the Northwestern game hopefully Jordan will be back with us then until then be well and we'll talk to you soon
0: Hi, I'm Jim Street, owner of Streets Maintenance. As a licensed, insured, and bonded master plumber, I specialize in all plumbing repairs, including but not limited to water heater and sump pumps, to toilet and faucet repairs and replacements. For more information about my business, I'm online at StreetsMaintenance.com and Facebook, or give me a call at 400-4483. 400-4483. Hi, this is AJ Perez, managing partner at Deary Chrysler Dodge Bram, Milwaukee, and Iowa City. I'm so proud of our team at both locations. We are committed to one thing, giving our customers the absolute best when it comes to service and a car buying experience, the kind of experience that brings you back. What makes us different? We believe at Deary, we don't just sell cars. We help people buy them.